So we're back with Rin for another episode. Uh, we talked about Skinwalkers and the Wendigo and, and such in our last episode. I think now we're going to talk more about some traditions uh, of his and, and his people. We're going to rejoin this conversation. Without further ado. From a child born into this world, we are taught what to believe. Close-minded, we become fearful to be deceived. Still, we desire to know what lies beyond that locked door. The art of the storyteller, conjuring tales of legend and lore. History hidden, lost knowledge, things forgotten, and the unknown. These are the things that direct us and will set the tone. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Nightmares on the Lost Highway. There's a lot of weird things that go on on my reservation, even to this day. Uh, there are spots you're not supposed to go to. There are things that they do that are outside of Christian tradition still. Uh, one of them would be a part of part of the Menominee population still practices the old ways of funeral, which is a, a three-day wake held in a family member's home for the deceased. They don't bring the casket with the deceased in through the door they have to bring it in through the window i guess in my mind so it doesn't make the doorway a spiritual doorway right. whereas if it's just a window you block that up and it no longer is a doorway anymore um during these funerals they cover all the mirrors in the house again i suspect as to cover up possible doorways that bad spirits might be able to use to come and go. But the reason I was given was so the spirit himself of the deceased doesn't see himself dead in a mirror and get frightened. I think there's a lot of mirror-related traditions as they relate to people passing on. So. Oh, yeah, they're always associated or often associated with you know portals, gateways, and, and everything. So I could definitely understand that. Now, when my dad died, uh, they laid him out for three days. There was feasting going on on the last day um me and my brothers had to bury my dad it was that's not necessarily a traditional thing but it was rather fulfilling for me to do that uh i would suggest that while it's a tragic event for your father to die i think a son should bury his dad it, it's just it, it fulfills the soul to do so while we were digging we were designated a spot in a very old burial ground now it, it has the normal graves just like you'd see in a, in any graveyard like with the crosses and headstones and stuff like that but we were designated a specific spot we dig down about three or four feet and we run into the corner of a casket somebody <laughs> else's wow we were all kind of creeped out <laughs> so what we did was we offered some tobacco to those that were already buried there as a sign of respect we respectfully covered up their casket again we moved it a, a foot away and continued our digging and got my dad buried. Uh, we were really grateful that we didn't run into any more because we now know there are people buried there that have no markers because they've been burying them there for the past 200 years. For so long. That people got forgotten. And I, I thought that story when you were telling us was very intriguing because, I mean, 
it's a very general known consensus. Indian burial grounds are very, very sacred. And I've come across a few when we were traveling, you know, they had it off, you know, sectioned off and everything and you know, never dreamed of ever going in. But I mean, occasionally accidents happen. I mean, let's yeah. face it, uh, you know, construction workers maybe use a backhoe, they get too close or whatever. What Certainly. is the proper way to respectfully handle that? So, Well, as long as you have respect in your heart, you don't even necessarily need tobacco. You just need to be a little bit sorry that you interrupted possibly their sleep. And they can sense that. They'll know. They'll know the people who don't give a damn. And they'll know the people who are very sorry for what they've done and immediately try and correct the situation. There's, there's a big difference in how people act. And it goes beyond color. It doesn't have to be a white man thing or a native thing or judged by the heart or the soul or well, whatever. It's you judged wanna. by the individual, as far as I know. In, in this modern age of selfishness and self-centeredness, are a lot of people that just wouldn't even care. They wouldn't care. Yeah. yeah. Now I know this. We we as kids played in a couple of different graveyards, and even as most native kids, will not tread upon those graves or or make fun of or sit on the tombstones. The, if they play tag, they respectfully go around the graves. If they play in hide-and-seek, they're not on the graves doing it. They're either behind the tombstones or they're hiding off by the mausoleums. They're, you know, these, this is what Native kids are taught from, from very early. Don't go on them graves. Don't show them disrespect. Well, and... I don't know if it's true, but I've saw in some of the movies just horrible things. Um, I mean, we're talking like Wild West stuff that they used to vandalize Native American graves, dig up bones and sell them. And I mean, it's very, very disrespectful things. But that's happened in between every single culture around the world as soon as it met an opposing culture. And again, it doesn't go by color of skin. It goes by opposing cultures. Yeah. Where, Definitely. you know where they really wanted to obliterate the beliefs of the people who were there before them if they were an invader, or they wanted to desecrate the graves of fallen enemies if they were a defender of the land. Like the enemies got no respect if they were an invader, whereas the invaders showed no respect to a defender's burial sites. It was, that's just the way it goes. That's, that's how one man has been conquering another man since we come out of the caves. Part of the psychological warfare. Yeah, just disrespect and, and yeah, just destroying this other culture completely in every way. So, I mean, they, they took the mummies of both South America and Egypt and did the same things. Very true with Egypt, yeah. You know, and they did, and, and they did a very thorough job to where we, we don't even know like half of what the Mayans did. Why? Because missionaries came through and started destroying codexes, which were like the written accounts or funerary rites and stuff like that of the Mayans. They came through and just put made big bonfires out of it all. It's like what and, we were saying earlier. If we don't understand it, we have a tendency to just want to destroy it. Yeah, that's that's that goes a long way to describe how humankind is. Again, it's not necessarily color of the skin that does this. It's, it's the nature of mankind in general. We're, we're a cantankerous species. <laughs> <laughs> now, is there anything else that's kind of more of a unique uh, insight that you could share with us on Native American funeral rites and 
burial? Well, well, my mom, who's white, was invited to a fully traditional Native American funeral. That is to say, no Christian influence was held during this funeral, and it was of a small child. The things she had happen that she's seen with her own eyes, if it came from any other person, I'd have a hard time believing it. And I follow, you know, I believe generally in the unseen. I guess I was probably like one or two, so they couldn't take me to this funeral. There were rules about this, too. There was no drunk people, no high people were allowed, and no small children. And they said it was because two spirits visit a traditional funeral. The great spirit, which is what they consider God or a good thing, and a bad spirit comes. And the bad spirit looks for weakness. So there was no pregnant women. There was no sick people. There was no small children. Nobody drunk or high. And the elders pretty much presided over it. These were the oldest people of the tribe. Well, one of these ladies took my mom aside and started describing to her everything that was happening because it was all happening in Menominee language, not English. And well, your so, mom was kind of caught off. Kind of well, she couldn't understand a word yeah. at all. She was white. She never, whereas this lady was like, okay, now they're doing this for this reason. Um, what happened was, is they bring out this ancient drum, which still exists. It's the Menominee drum. And it's a couple hundred years old, at least, if not four or 500 years old. And my mom said it was beautiful beadwork on the side, intricate depicting scenes, uh, like hunting on one side, the the village on the next side. And then she described what she seen or what she thought of as aliens hmm. in the beadwork on this this wow. drum. Wow, that took a curveball. And and like what she described as possibly a spaceship on the other side, you know. Anyway, the the woman whose baby died, her and my mom were all good friends. We were very close to this family. In fact, I think this child who died was my first cousin. And, of course, I wasn't allowed to go because I was just a little guy. So she, the mother of the deceased says she asked to go to the bathroom. Well, at that time, they were having it in a lodge hall. The lodge hall didn't have indoor bathrooms. It had an outhouse. So she asked my mother to go along because now it's nighttime. And they go out there. They pass the, the fire bearer, which for a traditional Native American thing for the Menominee, you had to keep a fire lit for three days. And a fire had to be tended, meaning it couldn't be left unattended. Now, is this like a small campfire, a bonfire? A small campfire, okay. sort of. You could make a big bonfire if you wanted. That wasn't frowned upon. But you'd be using a massive amount of wood. And if you know anything about heating your wood in the, in the, the far north, harder. <laughs> it's money. You know, that's a lot. Like lots of people heat their house to this day yeah, with wood. A valuable resource. Yeah. yeah. Why would which you, you don't do want to squander. Yeah. For, for a funeral, it's okay to have a nice little fire. But if you had a great big bonfire, you'd be eating up a lot of firewood. So they go to the bathroom. And while they're gone at the bathroom, a drunk guy tries to get in. And he's stopped cold at the door. And he's arguing with these na with these elders. He's native himself, but he's drunk. And they're not going to let him in. And at the time, I guess, to call someone a dog back in them days was the worst thing you could, Menominee could call each other. That was just the worst insult. And he called these elders a dog. 
Well, the story goes that they cursed him to be a dog. Now leave now, they told him. For whatever reason, he got the message and left. Back to my mother, she goes to the bath. Well, she takes her sister, her cousin, I guess, to the bathroom. And the lady goes to sit down on the stool. And when she sits down, she gives out a scream, a frightened scream, because she feels cold baby feet touching her bottom when she sits down. And this just completely creeps her out. I can imagine. She's screaming. My mom's right there to counsel her, you know, oh, come on, it's okay. It's all right. And when they're coming back, they see this animal in the woods with green glowing eyes, and they swear it was the biggest wolf-dog thing they've ever, my mom has ever seen with green eyes. Green eyes, that's unusual. Like glowing green eyes without a light. Now, they had a flashlight, but everything I've ever seen in the woods has been like yellow eyes, orange, maybe sometimes even red. Red, yeah. Once in a while, you could catch a deer's eyes going green for like on the reflection. They'll turn their head. It'll be green. They'll turn their head. It'll be orange, but not consistently one color. Hmm. They get really scared because this animal's only feet away from them and they're terrified of it. And it's snarling and carrying on. She runs. They run back into the hall and there and the elder stops her. What's going on? There's some kind of animal out there. And it was threatening us. And that's when the elders kind of get a little concerned. And they point to some older guys. You, you, and you. Get your rifles and go out and take care of that thing. They go out there and they shoot at it. Well, the thing runs off, apparently wounded. They never see that guy again. The guy who was cursed, they never seen again. And he lived there. Hmm. Wow. Kind of goes in conjunction with our previous episode a little bit there. I, I, mean, I know it sounds cliche, like the werewolf stories. Oh, they shot this person and they found him dead in their bed. You know, that wasn't the end of this story. All they said was, we never seen that guy again. Ran off into the night. So the thing carries on and they're, they're about to wrap up. And that always wraps up with a tribal song, like a powwow, you know, beating on this drum. So they go to that ancient drum and start playing. My mom tells me that while they're playing, the drum levitates off the floor by itself and the light shines from within the the drum onto the floor. All the drummers have this scared look on their face. Like, whoa. This hasn't happened before. Well, not to these guys. Yeah. And they're all like, and the elders are like, keep playing. Keep playing. That's the great spirit. This is a good thing. They're blessing, they're blessing us with their presence. Keep playing. So it, they get finished with their song, and it slowly sets back down, and they finish the funeral, and that's pretty much the end of that story. Wow, wow, yeah, that's that's a. She says she's seen all this with her own eyes, not her cousin seen it or just my dad seen it. Or my dad was of the mind, oh, don't don't offend the Christians. Because what if that's true? But he was also the same mind with the elders. Don't offend the elders. Because what if that's true? <laughs> yeah, cover your bases. <laughs> Don't throw stones. So, um, just a question I have. You said they didn't. You know, you didn't want people under the influence. You didn't want people drunk or high. Children, pregnant woman. Uh, be- and is that because they'd be especially vulnerable to evil influence? Yes, I guess. to the evil spirit. To either yeah. be taken over, I guess, possessed, I guess, or harmed. Made okay. made sick or killed. 
Uh -huh. Well, and going back to the floating drum, you said this was a, a young child's funeral. I, I believe yes. you said maybe two years old. Yes. Obviously, purest of heart. You know, maybe if the Great Spirit was going to show itself, I mean, it would be maybe more drawn to a young child passing away way before its time. Quite possibly, yes. That's a very intriguing and interesting story. Thank you very much for, yeah. for sharing that. The drum still exists, and I'm trying to get up there to get a picture of it, but they, they're not too forthcoming. Now, I don't want to touch the drum. It's ancient. It's an ancient artifact. It's, you know... If if the Menominee were no more, more than likely, it would be in a museum somewhere. Well, no, there's but, a there's a lot of ancient artwork around the world that supposedly depicts aliens and flying craft yeah, and yeah. things like that. Oh yeah, uh, a lot of it's been found in hieroglyphs in Egypt and different things. But, but I now, myself have you heard of any alien type with your people with stories. I I've never heard anything like that. But huh. I've, you know, the, quite a few things spook them people. I say them people. I'm one of them. But really, I had two upbringings. One was in Chicago, and one was on the reservation. So really, I only got half the story of what they believe. Half of everything. Like, there are a lot of common things that I don't know that they all take for granted. And it's why. It's because I was given more or less a white upbringing in Chicago rather than a fully native one up there. So, I mean, you know, I'm... I'm still trying to track down that drum and get pictures of it. If I ever do, I'll give you give you access oh, to I the would pictures. I'd love to see that. For you sure. know, and we'll blow them up and have a good look at them and stuff. But uh, they they just think maybe they think it's disrespectful or I don't know how they think of it as, but that's what they think. And and so far they've been hiding the drum from me. Now, <laughs> obviously, you said your mom was at this funeral. Yes, and. You would find it hard to believe if it wasn't your mom. I want to take that a step further, uh, if you don't mind, to share a little bit more about your mom and her time as a police officer. My mom was a police officer in a suburb of Chicago for about 12 to 13 years. Uh, for the, It used to be called the Rosemont Horizon. Now it's called the Allstate Arena. It's in a, a concert hall so big that it holds its own police station, like a miniature police station inside the hall. But and, again, uh, just kind of add some integrity more so even to that. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, if she's someone that's she, trained she's to... A trained police officer. Yeah. She's going to have seen things. She was know. a police officer much long, long after this had happened. I mean, I was an adult by the time she became a police officer there. So it's... it's she, They're not going to let someone wishy-washy come on to their... Yeah, yeah. You know, oh, this person's kind of wacky. They're making up <laughs> stories to... You know, no, we we don't want you. And she made the police, you know, the police force there. Right, right. That definitely adds a lot of integrity. I mean, it's just like anything else with with sightings of of any type of cryptid or paranormal. Um, you know, was it just hey that guy that lives in the alley saw this? Yeah. Or was it a doctor? Was it a police officer? Was it you know? Uh, I'm sorry, but things are kind of classified with with integrity and i mean it definitely sounds like we've got an in integrity bound story up there on that reservation there are two instances one concerning a cryptid i've seen and one concerning a spiritual being and these were things that happened to me myself oh. not to anybody else yeah I mean, now we're, this... we're getting to the heart of the stories here uh, we were kids tell. we were kids playing right on the wolf river which runs right through our reservation some of it is good rafting where they have a rafting business. They put you in a rubber raft and send you down these mm -hmm. really flowing rapids. 
And they give you a life jacket and, and like a big pad in the bottom. So if you hit rocks and stuff, you don't shatter your knees or your <laughs> hip bones. And, uh, but this was towards my uncle's house where it is a big flowing river. It has a fairly decent uh, current in it, but it's not white water. It's just a flowing river. We're all kids playing at night. That's no big deal because it's a bunch of us Indian kids right there on the bank. They tell us, don't go in that damn water. We all knew better because it has sucked us right down. And we're, we get one of them big old lights that, that looked like it had the big battery in it, that big square battery with the... Mm-hmm. You remember oh, yeah. those six, lights? Six yeah. Volt battery. Oh, yeah. And it was powerful. Yeah. It, it shined a good light. <laughs> Blind your friends for a couple minutes. We hear some noise in the water, and I kid you not, when they hit whatever it was in the water, it was, I guess, the dorsal fighting fin on a fish. You're talking three feet long and two and a half feet tall. Wow. And it comes out of water and goes down, and I see it. All of us kids, all of us, ran for the house because we didn't want to be anywhere near the bank. The big fish. If it was something that could come up on the bank. <laughs> now, what age were you? You say I kids. I was probably 8 to 10 years old. Okay. And most of the kids were probably. Well, they were all seven. ranging between like 5 and probably up to 13. Okay. Just all, that's how they did it. You, know, you kids go out and play, you know. Yeah, right, right. And as long as you played right near the house, because we didn't wander too far. But he, my uncle lived right on the river. So it was okay for us to be playing, because we were all, you know, considered smart enough not to go in the water. Because <laughs> it, it would have took you down, you know. Now. Well, it may, and there may have been another reason not to yeah, go in the water. Well. <laughs> is there a a legend or lore about what that creature could have been maybe today that you look back on and I only heard one other story and this is from my grandfather he was on what they called lower bass lake there's an upper bass lake there and a lower bass lake along with a number of other lakes there's uh my reservation consists of 360,000 acres wow so there's several lakes like five six lakes that are on complete indian land and then there's one lake that's half and half it's called Legend Lake, and it's half on the reservation, half off. It's so big. Um, this didn't happen at Legend Lake. It happened at Lower Bass Lake, where my grandfather was ice fishing out there. And that's where the, the ice is three, four feet thick. You can drive a truck loaded with wood out on the ice. You drill holes down, and you throw in your little bobber thing or tip-ups, and you catch fish. My grandfather swears he's seen this. He said... An alligator-headed thing come up through the hole and looked at him in the eyes, even. So he had to come up five and a half, six foot up out of this hole to look at someone in the eyes. Wow. He said it had an alligator head and a serpent's body, because that's the only thing that's going to come up a hole that big. Right. Yeah. But it had to have a whole lot of underground to push it six feet. Like he said, it had an alligator head. Like... A gar has an almost alligator head, but it can't do one of these numbers. Right. It can't flex its head down to look at you like a person. Wow. A fish head doesn't do that. So, and they're, to the best of my knowledge, the sturgeon that get, you know, eight, 10 feet long are in the northeastern part of Wisconsin. They, they don't come to the Wolf River and they're damn sure not in the lakes there. Now, what about gar? Well, what we have is a lot of northern pike. Okay. Not, Very, there similar. might be some gar, but again, a gar can't flex its head right, to where it's right. looking at you. They like got a it, solid spine, basically, that goes down. They their head be able keeps to, it, you know, know. Almost like a snake would not be able to pull its head back. 
that's what my grandfather swore he seen. Wow. That's the only thing that I could think of that might be in the waters up there making a, a fin like that. I mean, we didn't see what was making the fin, but didn't hang was, around a whole lot. To it find was out so either. big; it frightened <laughs> all of us kids. And them kids lived up there, and I got the impression they'd never seen that before either, because they ran as fast as I did. Now, and what, they lived there. You said this was dark. Obviously, it was night. You had the big flashlight. What season was it? Uh, it was in between summer and fall. Okay, because we were wearing like jackets we're yeah. right now. We were wearing hoodies. Well, up there, it's a lot colder. So I had to think it was just right at the end of summer, which turns cold real quick. By October, you could get snow up there. Hmm. You might not be able to drive on the lakes, but October, you could get snow. But you uh, said there was two instances. There was one there, and, and you had another. This is about a spiritual beam. A spiritual beam? This was when I was an adult. My brother and I went out hunting for the day. We were hunting for deer. Although I didn't bring a, a rifle suitable to the task, I brought a, a short-barreled 20-gauge pump. <laughs> really, I was just going out there just to go out there. I didn't really have in my mind to kill a deer. You're really not supposed to be using a 20-gauge on a deer anyway. Yeah, right. Um, so my brother gets all camouflaged up. And he's there for the deer. No questions asked. Don't, don't hinder me because I'll kick your ass. This is my brother's kind of attitude when it comes to his deer hunting. So he, he goes, okay, Lord, you're going to go this way down the trail. There's the truck. Stay on the trail. Don't get off the trail and go that way. Walk a couple hundred yards. You'll be all right. I'm going to go that way a couple hundred yards away from the truck. So we, in fact, the truck was right there and we split up walking away from the truck down trails. Well, I'm out there and I guess I had the wrong attitude because I see, uh, you ever guys ever hear of a woodcock? It's about the size of a chicken. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I see some woodcocks, and it's poor towards the end of the day, 3.30, and that's about it up there. And I go ahead and commence to blasting on these with the wrong kind of gun. It destroys this poor chicken thing, whatever it was. <laughs> and there's no meat to it because I'm, I'm not using a slug. Obliterated it. It just perforated it. And I'm looking at it like, oh, you know, my brother's going to be pissed because now I've scared all the deer at the end of the day. <laughs> they can hear it and they get out of the way. All right, I'm going back to the truck. So I go back to the truck and I'm sitting on the tailgate and I'm looking down the trail and it, it's literally like a tunnel of woods. You know how woods can grow like that? Mm -hmm. and you're looking down oh, a yeah. tunnel. Yeah. That's how thick these woods are, even during trees have connected at the top yep. this is midfall and it's cold now 40 degrees or less and way back in there i think i see a silhouette walking at me i thought oh good my brother's coming back he's gonna be pissed but oh well you know and it's walking it's walking it's walking it's got to be two three hundred yards away but i could still see a silhouette all of a sudden it's not there okay you know maybe i didn't maybe it was a deer maybe it was something i don't know and uh, about 100 yards away, this thing comes back. It is colored white, like mist. It's 100 yards away, 300 feet. That's still quite a ways for my eyes to right. see. It still looks like a silhouette. And it's it's walking like a silhouette. So and it's I'm, upright. You can make out arms, well, legs. No, you can't make out arms and legs. What you see is a silhouette of a person. Okay. And that doesn't necessarily add to arms and legs. It's just moving like someone, you know, walking. Gotcha. And uh, 
I'm like, okay. And it moves to about 75 feet and completely disappears. And I don't mean it runs off the trail. I don't mean it flies up into the sky. It's gone. And I'm like, that's not my brother. (laughs) That's not my brother. That's the first thought. And it's like, oh, now 50 yards away, this thing comes back and I'm getting much clearer pictures of it. It is a silhouette again. It appears to come from out of nowhere. Didn't run onto the trail. And it's still a silhouette, but there are no features. And at 50 yards, you can see detail. It's made of mist. Now, what time of day is this? About 3.30, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. The sun's still up. Sun's still up, but it's far down on the horizon. But it's still daylight. Far this from is, dark. It's yeah. not Yeah, dark. it's going to be dark in an hour, but it's not by any means there was more light here. There was more light there than there is here. Are you able to see through it, or is no, it so thick you, that you, you cannot see through it? Okay. And I'll tell. I'll get to that part. It walks another ten yards, meaning it's now sixty-five yards away, or you know, sixty-five yards away. And I've got a clear sight of this thing, and I don't know what the hell it is. And it disappears again, gone in an instant. It appears about 25 yards away. And now, now I probably need new britches <laughs> because now I'm seeing this thing. It ain't a man. It ain't your brother. And it's, it's not my brother and it's not an animal. It is silhouette made out of mist that you can't see. And it's moving closer. And I'm like, Oh God, I'll shoot. <laughs> I'll shoot. I got a 20 gauge with a short range and buckshot. And it is, Nothing wants to get close to you. You could probably fend off a bear with a 20 gauge and buckshot, especially when you got more than one shot. It moves about five or 10 yards closer and then it disappears. And now the light's fading. I jump in the cab and I am scared shitless. And my brother finally, you know, 45 minutes later, because now the darkness came, I can't see nothing. So if it was out there, I couldn't see it. He probably comes up and like beats on the window. Like, uh, imagine why well, hear <laughs> walking through the leaves and twigs. And yeah, he comes in and he's like, why are you in the cab? Was that you shooting? What'd you shoot? And I tell him, you know, that woodcock over there. And he goes and looks at it and he's pissed because this woodcock is perforated. <laughs> then I remember an old legend. If you go out to these woods with the intent on just killing something for the sake of killing it, you're going to get visited by the spirit. It is a warning. You're out here for the wrong reasons. And I'm going to make you see the, the, the wisdom of not doing that. The error of your ways. Yeah. That, wow. and that, that is what I think I seen, which it scared the hell out. I haven't been out to them woods since then. Wow. And you're talking over 20 years ago. Now, just recently, I went and seen my brother, and we went fishing. <laughs> we went fishing at about 7 in the morning. We get on them lakes. We go all around. He's feeding the eagle a fish he throws from the thing. I remember you telling me the this eagle story. eagle flies down, picks up the fish, and goes. And that was spectacular. But we get done by 11, which I'm very glad. <laughs> <laughs> we get our, we pull our, And we were fishing. We are going to eat these fish. I was not there to just grab some fish, kill them, and throw them back in the lake. Lesson learned. (laughs) And I haven't been out to them woods with another rifle since then. If I do go out there, it will be 
to hunt and get that deer. It is to leave the other animals alone. And it, and it will be to keep my intentions very pure. Goes back to that whole because respect thing. Yeah. The next time I get visited, it's not a warning anymore. Something's going to happen. Ah. Like they'll find you suicided in the woods or something. Wow. Uh, I don't want to get warned a second time. I don't want to see what it's going to do to warn me. Right. I mean, I'm still allowed to go out there, but I got to keep my intentions very clear. That is the two weirdest things that ever happened to me on that reservation. That's an interesting story. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, that's fascinating. Glad to share. Thank you for uh, having me on the show. I really greatly appreciate it. I'm having a lot of fun, guys, being able to tell. (laughs) Well, I I mean, just listening to these stories is fascinating. I mean, these this is why we did this podcast is for stuff like this. We wanted it to be storytelling, and and that's exactly when we first founded this if you will that's exactly what we wanted to uh to do so well, maybe if there's a third session i'll tell you about the last thing i seen but this was when i was a very little kid like five years old and we could get into it next time sounds good folks this is just yet another example of stories and tales that you'll hear on nightmares on the lost highway thank you again for joining us we hope you enjoy Hello, my name is Lauren Wycheezit, and I'm with the Dauntless Paranormal Investigations. We're a nonprofit organization that are looking for houses that are possibly haunted. We don't charge anything. We have full waivers to sign, so in case something you don't want, like your name or your address, to not be involved in the, a printed or shown investigation, we'll gladly sign them and keep your anonymity safe. And uh, thank you so much for giving a listen. Hey, this is Eric, and I just wanted to give a little reach out and a plug to our first paying sponsor for Nightmares on the Lost Highway. That's our little family uh, toy and gaming shop here in Lebanon, Missouri, called Raven's Loft. If you happen to be in the central Missouri area, please check us out. We have two locations. First one is at 223 West Commercial, downtown Lebanon. We've also branched out to a second location out at the Heartland Antique Mall, also here in Lebanon. You're going to find all kinds of vintage toys, Star Wars, Star Trek, G.I. Joe, Transformers, Mego, Universal Monsters, all types of gaming, board games, Magic the Gathering. So we would appreciate it if you'd uh, stop by. You can like our Facebook page. Uh, swing by and check us out. Thank you so much. I would like to thank uh, Alex Tudor, who has been helping us uh, a lot uh, with our endeavors on this podcast. You can call him our producer at this point, I think. Our producer, electronic recording technician. uh, um, He's uh, the one that's setting up all the mics and the hardware in the background. And then Bill Weirs is going through taking his time to try to clean and edit this up and uh, give us the best possible version that we can present to you folks. want to thank everybody involved with that.